Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. This is your captain speaking. Sorry for the inconvenience, but we're experiencing some choppiness. We are in a stock market correction. This was a fun week because we got to do our forecast presentation for 2022. And last year, we just gave it virtually. It was fun to be in front of some real life people because these days, I think most of us are just on Zoom calls, right? And we thought it was fun to get together with some folks. Good to see you. And just so you know, if you missed that, we are doing a webinar version of that coming up. It was interesting talking to a lot of our clients and people that we know about the stock market correction that we find ourselves in right now. And certainly our forecast presentation was more interesting than it would have been a few weeks before because we've really had pretty smooth sailing during the last year or so. A market correction is defined as a 10% or more drop in the stock market. A couple of things about stock market corrections. On average, once a year, they happen. And there's nothing that we really can do about it. It's just part of being an investor is that about once a year, we're going to see a stock market correction or a 10% or more drop. Now, historically, 80% of the time, corrections don't turn into bear markets or a 20% or more drop in the stock market. I want to pause there. Only one in five times does a 10% or more drop lead to a 20% or more drop, meaning that most of the time it is just turbulence. That doesn't mean we just stick our heads in the sand during the market correction. There are things that you and I can and should do when the market corrects, and it can be unsettling to some people. Have you ever flown on an airplane? One of the things that you'll experience is turbulence and sometimes extreme turbulence. I'm sure some of you have had that. I've had that a couple different times where it was actually scary, but planes don't crash because of turbulence. In fact, I have friends who are commercial airline pilots, and they tell me that turbulence really doesn't bother them a bit. They try to adjust their flight path and altitude to minimize turbulence for the comfort of the passengers, but sometimes it's unavoidable. And if everybody wants to get to their intended destination, you just kind of have to get through it. So today we are going to talk about the five things today that you should be checking on during a market correction, because that's where we are. But first, this episode is brought to you by Keystone Financial Services, a top wealth management firm based in the land of love, Loveland, Colorado. At Keystone Financial Services, we are here to provide unbiased advice and guidance. Our goal is to replace uncertainty with confidence and clarity when it comes to planning for your family's financial future. Take the guesswork out of your financial future today. Schedule a free initial conversation with one of our certified financial planners by visiting keystonefinancial.com. That's keystonefinancial.com. All right, so five things to check during the market correction. Number one, check your foundation. It's important to really look at your financial foundation Sometimes people refer to this as having their financial house in order, having themselves really checked up to make sure that all of their basics are covered. One of those is that we want to make sure that all of your non-mortgage debt is paid off. And I know some of you might argue with me on this and say, no, it's a really low interest rate and I can make more in the market. Trust me, for people who are wealthy, one of the reasons why they're wealthy and they've got such a good cash flow situation is because they don't have any debt, at least non-mortgage debt. And mortgage debt, we deal with that a little bit differently, but we do want to make sure that all of 
your other debt is paid off. We also want to make sure that you have three to six months worth of living expenses in cash, just in the bank, in the credit union, someplace really safe that's probably earning zero right now, but that's okay. For that three to six months worth of living expenses, that's there because of Murphy's Law. And Murphy's Law says that if something can go wrong, it will, and it'll happen at the exact worst time that it possibly can. So that's why we cover these things, paying off non-mortgage debt, three to six months worth of living expenses, and also make sure that you are properly insured at all times. That means that the basics need to be there at all times, health, life, disability, homeowner's insurance, car insurance. We also always recommend that you carry identity theft protection. Make sure that it's the type of identity theft protection that has resolution services, because sooner or later, in this crazy world that we live in, somebody's probably going to hack your stuff, and they might do some bad things that impact your credit. So make sure that identity threat protection is something that you're looking at, you're carrying. There are a lot of different services out there. LifeLock is one of probably the most prevalent as far as brand names, but there are a lot of them out there. Just make sure that it has that resolution protection. And long-term care insurance is a maybe. Now, I say it's a maybe because it really depends on your situation. In some cases, people don't need it. They've got a large enough amount of wealth that they really could just self-insure. In other cases, they have to kind of look at what options are available to them. Maybe if you've had health issues, you might not qualify for long-term care insurance. And in other cases, you might look at it and it's so darn expensive that it just doesn't make sense for you and your family. So I say that as a maybe, but check out long-term care insurance as something that might be there for your financial foundation. Thing number two to check during the market correction, check your plan. By that, I mean your financial plan. The big question is, what do you really want? What is your intended outcome of all of this? And when people sit down with us for the first time, a lot of times people might have some vague idea that, well, I, I want to be able to retire someday, or maybe they even have an idea of what age they want to retire at. But really, this is about Julian and Dana figuring out what is all this money intended for? What are we trying to accomplish? And so common things that we would hear is... Is, and we want to get specific here is we might hear that I want to be able to retire if I want to. I want to be able to retire by the time I'm age 60 and I want to be able to spend a certain amount of money per month. And by that point, I want to make sure that all of my debt, even my mortgage is paid off. And we want to make sure that we've got a place someplace warm, maybe in Phoenix for the winter time. Uh, who knows what that is? Maybe it's an RV, maybe it's a, a home, maybe it's a condo, something like that. But attaching dollar amounts to all of these things will make sure that we're all on the same team. We're all going in the same direction, in other words, as far as what it is that you and your family really want. Because if you don't have a plan, then it's going to be kind of difficult to know when you get there. So it's important that we've got a game plan and that we really have that dialed in as far as what it is that you're really after. That can help out a lot during the market correction to remember, why are we doing all this? Why is the strategy the way that it is? We need to be able to tie it back to that, not just have these different things in a bubble that we don't think about in conjunction with all the other elements of your financial plan. Thing number three is to check your risk number and compare it to the risk number of your actual portfolio. In other words, of what you actually own in investments. This will drive your asset allocation. What we mean by asset allocation that's the mix of the categories of investments that you own. This is the most important investment decision, the mix of categories of investments. By that, I mean stocks, bonds, real estate, alternative investments, and not just the things that you own, but also what percentages that you own them in. That will determine what rate of return that you get over time, at least the potential rate of return, right? We can't guarantee anything, but also that's going to be tied back to that risk number. That's why we have you take that risk assessment and to find out your number, go to keystonefinancial.com. We've got a tool out there that's free, no obligation. We're not going to bug you. 
you basically just go out there and figure out what your risk number is. It's about two thirds of the way down the page in a red box and it says, find out your number. Use that tool and make sure, and maybe you've taken it before, take it again. You know, it, it does change over time for some people because maybe you're at a different stage in life right now. Maybe things have changed for you and your risk number actually has gone up or gone down. Or maybe you're just wondering, gosh, I took that thing two years ago, three years ago. Maybe I need to take it again just to make sure that I'm in the right place. We recommend that you use that, not because that risk number is gospel. You can pick any risk number you want to. Maybe you take it and it comes out and it says, I'm a 45. And you say, no, I'm not. I'm a 75. Well, ultimately, you get to make that decision because that's your money. But it is a good starter, at least as far is asking those questions of yourself. And it's also somewhat educational because it will show you for different risk numbers, it'll show you how much you can expect to gain or lose during any given time period. Know that this is the most important investment decision simply because it is going to basically dictate what experience you're going to have, not just from what you can make on your investments, but how rough that ride might be. Thing number four is to check your diversification. Don't keep all your eggs in one basket. Don't just own one stock, own lots of stocks. Don't own one property, own lots of properties. Don't own one bond, own lots of bonds. And I can tell you that I've experienced this so many times in my career. I've been doing this 22 years. There's been so many times that I've seen people make this mistake is that they have all their money in one thing. And sooner or later, that one thing ends up getting hurt and sometimes permanently hurt. Examples of this in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of people loaded up on tech stocks. Sometimes they get really specific and put it all in one tech stock or all in one category like dot coms. Well, people who did that, they experienced an awful lot of pain. And in some circumstances, depending on what it was that they owned, they permanently lost money because many of those companies actually went bankrupt, don't even exist anymore. So just catastrophic. Catastrophic. We saw people taking crazy risk. And back to that risk number, that would be the equivalent of having like a 99 risk score on a scale of one to 99 or one to 100. It would be so far up there that it's just dangerous. So it's important to look at that. Having diversification means that you don't keep all your eggs in one basket. We've had this happen even with people who own bonds. Sometimes if you look at a bond, you think, well, that's guaranteed. Well, who's making the guarantee? If it's a government, is it the U.S. government? Is it Puerto Rico? Is it Detroit? There actually have been municipalities even that have gone bankrupt and people have lost money. There have certainly been examples of companies that have gone bankrupt. Figure General Motors, and they still exist, but they went through a bankruptcy. United Airlines, they still exist, but they went through a bankruptcy. And guess who loses all their money when that happens? Not just the stockholders, but most of the time the bondholders do as well. And we've had that happen before where people, because they worked for a certain company for years and years and years, they just thought that that was a bulletproof place to put their money. That was what they trusted because they knew it because they had worked there and they put all their money in that one thing. We've seen it happen with bonds and with stocks with people and people have lost, in some cases, all their money. One other place we've seen this is even in the real estate market. Back in the mid-2000s, you might remember that there was some craziness happening. There was a huge real estate bubble that ended up forming. And there was one gentleman in particular that I met with. He was going to be retiring. And I remember meeting with him. And we had built a diversified portfolio that was tied to his risk number. And it was aligned with his goals. And it would produce income for the rest of his life. You know, at least the odds were there that it would produce income for the rest of his life. It was just a beautiful plan. And the next time I talked to him, he said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I think I'm going to take that money and I'm going to go buy condos down in Florida. 
and I'm going to flip them. I'm going to flip condos and make a lot more money there than I would in a diversified portfolio. And I can tell you, I, I didn't speak with him after that, not because I was mad at him, but you know, we just didn't connect. I kind of know what happened to real estate in Florida after that, especially in condos. A lot of those speculative real estate deals lost everything. So just keep in mind that you really, really want to dial in on that risk because it's kind of easy to make money when the market's just going up. When things get choppy like they are right now, it's really, really important to remember that diversification is so key. So make sure you've got your assets spread out, not just in asset allocation in different categories of investments, but make sure that those different categories themselves are very, very spread out. In other words, if you own a stock, let's say that you own Apple, and that's one of maybe 500 stocks that you own, maybe it's in the form of mutual funds. Oftentimes that's what we invest in, right? But it's important to think about that one stock probably won't even be on your radar. Even if Apple were to go broke, they're probably not going to anytime soon. But if Apple were to go broke, it would just be a little blip on your portfolio not something that you probably would even notice. So keep in mind that diversification is free. <laughs> diversification doesn't cost anything and it really will never hurt you. It's one of those things that by under diversifying, you may get the moonshot, you may get the one stock that just turns into the rocket ship, but you can also get completely killed by losing all your money based on that one thing. Thing number five is to check your withdrawal percentage. And what I'm speaking to here is people who are retired right now. In other words, they're not working and so they're drawing out of their portfolio and we're probably sending you that money. If you're a client, we're probably sending you that money every month. It's important to look at what percentage you're taking out on an annual basis. We like the 4% rule. And sometimes people say, well, it should be the 3% rule or the 5% rule or some other percentage. We like the 4% rule because we've really gone back and looked at a lot of research. And what it's shown is that we've got really, really high odds. In most cases, it depends on your portfolio, but we've got really, really high odds of not running out of money as long as we stick to that 4%. Why is that? Where Where is the why behind that 4%? Well, to us, it means a couple of things. Number one, when we build a diversified portfolio, if it's balanced, we're probably going to be somewhere in the range of six, seven, eight percent per year that we will be using as our assumption for your long-term rate of return. Now, of course, it depends. If your risk number and your risk number of your portfolio is too low, then you probably won't be getting those returns. It'll probably be less than that. And who knows? Maybe if you have a really high risk score, it'll be larger than those returns. But we kind of use those as far as our benchmarks, maybe a six, seven, eight percent rate of return, depending on how your investments are allocated. So knowing that, let's say we took 4%, but we're earning 6, 7, or 8% per year, that means that your earnings per year, on average, at least over time, should be more than what you're pulling out. And that difference, that difference in between is key because that's your cost of living adjustment. What that means is that your portfolio on average should actually be going up as a trend over time meaning that the money you take out should not be exhausting the capital. Your capital actually should be going up a little bit over time, which means that you should be able to give yourself a raise. And I know I'm throwing a lot of shoulds in here right now because, of course, the stock market's not guaranteed. We can't guarantee anything when it comes to investment returns. We're just talking about experience and what's worked for clients historically. So keep that in mind. The 4% rule, you might think about that as just a fixed amount, but it's really not. 4% needs to be fixed to whatever your value is in any given year. In other words, if you started with a million dollars and now that million dollars has gone down to $800,000, how much should we take out? 4% of the million or 4% of the 800,000? 
I think the conservative option would be 4% of the $800,000. Back to my original point on check your foundation. That's why we want to get all your debt paid off. It's pretty important. Have all your debt paid off, have the cash. People in that position are actually in a pretty good spot to be able to weather all kinds of financial storms. And because they don't have any debt, their fixed expenses tend to be pretty darn low, meaning that when there are recessions, when there are pullbacks, they are in a position to be able to pull back their spending, at least temporarily, because if you're taking out a percentage and you're adjusting it over time, now you've got really, really high odds of never running out of money as long as your portfolio is dialed in the correct way. So our warning bell, sometimes people ask, this and they say, well, Josh, how much could I really take out? Especially if I adjusted, how much could I really take out before you guys would start getting nervous? So our warning bells at Keystone really start going off when someone takes out more than 5% in a year, that starts to make us really nervous. And that's because we really plan on people being around for a long, long time. Our clients on average are age 58. So that means we've got a lot of younger people too. But a lot of our people, when they retire, they're relatively young retirees. They might be in their 50s or 60s. I consider that a young retiree because the odds are, if you take care of yourself, you probably have a good 20, 30 years that you've got to make that money last for you. So it is really important that we're adjusting for inflation. And by taking out four, maybe five, if you really want to push it, percent out of your portfolio per year and be willing to adjust as the market adjusts, which means it can work in your favor too, right? Let's say your million dollars now goes up to $1.2 million. Well, can you take 4% and again, maybe five if you're pushing it, but 4% out of $1.2 million well, yeah, that's kind of the idea is that as your capital goes up over time, that means you've got more money you could take out as far as a percentage. So again, our warning bells start going off at 5% more than that. Based on the research we've seen, your odds really start going up of having a problem down the road, especially if you are younger and trying to live off of this for multiple decades. We want to be really careful about how much you take out per year. So to sum up, those are five things that we're going to check on now that we are in a market correction. And we've seen that maybe by the time you hear this, we'll be out of the market correction. And oftentimes that does happen is that the market pulls back. Sometimes it's for a very short amount of time. And the nice thing about market corrections and even bear markets is there's never been a market correction or a bear market that wasn't eventually followed by a bull market. In other words, the market tends to pull back. It might pull back for a little while. Maybe it's days, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's even months, or in some cases, years. And that's not particularly fun. We've seen that happen before, historically, where the market's pulled back and it takes several years for it to come back. But that is one of the risks. That's why we get returns, right, is because we're taking risk. We've got uncertainty with our portfolio. And because of that, that's where we get the better returns over time is in things like stocks and real estate, things that are not guaranteed, clearly. But that's where people have seen more returns historically, simply because they've been willing to absorb that risk. So as we sum up with those five things to check during the market correction. Number one is to check your foundation. Make sure you get all of your non-mortgage debt paid off. Use the debt snowball that we've talked about in previous episodes. Go back and listen to that if you're not sure what I'm talking about. Get that three to six months worth of living expenses and cash. Make sure you are properly insured. And one asterisk on that house insurance, the homeowner's insurance, make sure you're going back and checking how much protection you've got on your home. Because a lot of you, we've certainly seen it with our home. A lot of people, our home values, have gone way up. And we want to make sure that you've got enough protection in case something crazy happened. If, if it burned down, we saw that happen here not that long ago in Colorado, a whole neighborhood just burned down from a grass fire. And you know these were nice homes and they weren't in the mountains or anything like that. Make sure that your homeowner's 
insurance is adjusted for whatever your new value is, your current value of your home is. So checking your plan, that's number two. What's the big picture for you and your family? What is the result or outcome you are after? Are you really clear on it? And is your certified financial planner really clear on it? That's important that we both are on the same page as far as what it is that you really want. Number three is to check your risk number compared to the risk number of your portfolio. We have tools to figure that out. It's important to use those tools because that's a really, really common mistake we see as financial planners when people come to us is they have no clue how much risk they're actually taking in their portfolio. It's just by chance. It might just be because that was the default option that their employer gave them in their 401k. That doesn't mean that it's right for you. So it's important to make sure that those risk numbers are aligned and that it's aligned with your plan. Number four is to check your diversification. Don't keep all your eggs in one basket. Use the free option of diversification. I'm begging you, if you have a big concentration of one thing, even if it's one really nice property someplace or one really nice stock, make sure that you diversify that out and get that in lots of different eggs. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversification is free. And then finally, number five is check your withdrawal percentage. We like the 4% rule and certainly no more than five in any 12-month period. And then my very last thing I want to encourage you is that for those of you who are still working or saving, investing, the market is on sale. It's actually a great opportunity right now because it's it's a buying opportunity. When things get cheaper, that means that you can buy them cheaper. If you have money to invest, see it as a buying opportunity because history has shown that there's never been a market correction or a bear market that wasn't eventually followed by a bull market. It's kind of the story of human history and innovation is the key. That's why all these companies, whether they're tech companies or healthcare companies, that's why all these companies continue to make more profit over time in general, right? There's certain companies that don't. But as a a general rule, the overall market, which is just a bunch of businesses that are trying to make things better. And because of that, they earn better profits over time. That's why things go up. It's just the story of human innovation and the fact that we continue to grow as an economy. So keep that in mind as it's an opportunity. And uh, certainly it's something that you should consider as an opportunity, even if it's just your normal 401k contributions going in, know that you're actually buying more shares of investments if they've gone down in value, but you're putting in the same dollars, know that you're actually buying more shares. And if we think that those shares are going to go up in value over time, at least consider it that we're on sale right now. So with that being said, I hope that's helpful for you today. Just keep in mind that when you hit markets like this, they're not permanent. Planes don't crash because of turbulence. They might be uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean that things will end up to be bad in the end. One other statistic I saw from Fisher Investments this week, and this was pretty encouraging, is that if you look at five-year rolling periods, so what we're looking at is over the last 100 years or so, back to 1928, if we look at five-year rolling periods, 87% of the time, the market actually was positive during any five-year period. So it's important to think about that, that 87% of the time, you would have been positive in any five-year period. So if you're in a market correction right now and thinking about what should I do, know that almost always you'd be back up and probably higher by the end of that five-year period. Let's look at the same thing. Fisher Investments had 10-year returns, 10-year rolling periods, 94.1% of the time you would have been positive over any 10-year period. And over any 20-year period, 
100% of the time. We're talking about the S&P 500 here. So just the broad stock market, we're not talking about your specific investments, but just the broad stock market, 100% of the time, you would have been positive over any 20 year period. So just know that wherever you're sitting today, if you're nervous about something going on in the world or the markets, or you're checking accounts too often, just know that it's one of those things that it's just part of the experience. It's that turbulence factor that's not real comfortable, but in the end, it's unavoidable being part of an investor and just trust your pilots. Trust your pilots that we are here to get you to your destination and to get you there as comfortably as possible, but we do want to get you there. So make sure that you're reaching out to us if you have questions. If you're getting some anxiety, one of the best things that you can do is just reach out to us. Sometimes it's just a five, 10 minute conversation with one of your planners here, and we can talk about whatever your concerns are. We can go back, look at your plan, look at your risk number, these things that we've been talking about checking. We do this for our clients. If you're not our client right now, maybe you should be. You should check us out. Go to keystonefinancial.com and we have a free conversation that's always available to you. We can jump on the phone, jump on a Zoom call and look at whatever your financial needs are that need to be met. If you love the Wiser Financial Advisor, or even if you just like us, there's a couple of things you could do to help support us. One of those is to click subscribe on whatever podcast service you're listening to this on. We're on all of them right now. So just make sure that you click subscribe. That helps us out. Also, it helps if you give us a rating. And of course, that rating is up to you. But if you would do that for us. And also, a lot of people are just finding out about the Wiser Financial Advisor from their friends and family and coworkers. So certainly use this as an opportunity to forward the links on from our website. And that's where you will find it. You can go to wiserfinancialadvisor.com. Lots of ways to find us or on your favorite podcast service. Use it as an opportunity to just share this information because, you know, we can only work with so many people, but the reality is, is that the technology we're using here can get out to a lot more people that need our help. We know that there are people that are just desperate for financial wisdom right now, and that's really why the Wiser Financial Advisor exists. We are literally drowning in information as a society right now, but starving for wisdom. So that's really why we're here and why we're talking about this stuff, because people need to hear this. People are confused, and maybe they're discouraged by their own financial decisions. They wish they were further ahead. So use this as an opportunity to help somebody out that you know that really would like to take the opportunity to get ahead. With that, thank you for listening today. I hope you have a great week and God bless. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.